Lowe, and I'm arts editor of the Times Argus and Rutland Herald. Each week I travel the state hearing, watching, enjoying the best Vermont has to offer in the arts. And I try to put it together and deliver it to you. It all culminates with the Vermont Arts section every Saturday in the Times Argus and Rutland Herald. Hi, this is George Nostrand, and I'm here with Jim Lowe, the arts editor of the Times, Barry Times Argus and Rutland Herald, and we're going to talk about the Vermont Arts section coming up this weekend. Welcome, Jim. Glad to be here on such a beautiful day. It is beautiful. Uh, what do we have on tap, or what do we want to talk about to start with? Well, there are a few things, and although each important in their own right. Uh, the big story of the week in the arts is that Jamie Laredo is stepping down as music director of the Vermont Symphony Orchestra at the end of the 2021 season. Mm -hmm. um, some background here. Jamie Laredo is far more famous at Carnegie Hall than he mm -hmm. is in Vermont, even though he lives in Guilford and has for, it's got to be more than 30 years. Mm -hmm. uh, he is a world-renowned musician. Uh, recorded, done, done everything. But for some reason, he became music director of the Vermont Symphony. Um, he would say because he loves Vermont. Mm -hmm. But he is now 78 years old, and he has been music director for 20 years, so he's decided to step down. How that comes up in this week's section is that the Vermont Symphony's annual Maiden Vermont Tour, in which it tours a chamber orchestra statewide, begins next week on Thursday at Castleton. Now, why it fits this story is, is Jamie has been leading that tour every other year. This is going to be the last one. Mm. So for the folks in the hinterlands, <laughs> Uh, and want to see Jamie conduct, this is a good time to do it, and it's also cheaper. Mm -hmm. But he, he'll, he'll be all over the state, and you can read about it in the program in Vermont Arts. Another interesting part of that program is something is now in its third year is where the VSO awards a film at the Middlebury New Filmmakers Festival, an award each year. And they commission a composer to write music for it. Part of this, during part of this concert, that film will be projected mm. and accompanied by the orchestra conducted by Jamie. Oh, cool. That'd be very cool. And this will be the first time it's ever done. I mean, the Castleton will be the absolute mm -hmm. world premiere. So Jamie will, in fact, be back to conduct in uh, Rutland, both, I think, this season and the coming season. And also, of course, in Burlington, like usual. Now, the second thing is, is Studio Place in Art, Arts in Barrie is one of the state's major visual arts institutions. Now, Barrie is known as the granite capital of the world. Every year, SPA presents what they call Rock Solid. That is an exhibit of Vermont and regional stone sculptors and it's 
always special, and it includes local car- stone carvers who work in the sheds, but it also uh, includes the more artsy-fartsy types. Mm-hmm. But it also, there are a couple of other exhibits going on at the same time, including the, a weaving exhibit, a painting exhibit, and a uh, an installation made of thread. It's quite yeah. interesting. I've never been to Studio Place Arts. Can you can you tell me a little bit about it? Because they they when they have or when they have opening receptions, it's often three at once. Do, yes, because they have three be floors. Huge, huh? It's got to be a huge building, or no? It's not huge no. so much as it is tall. Oh, okay. Uh, it, <laughs> that it, helps. It, it, it Spa got their hands on it when it was after. It was more or less destroyed by fire many years ago, and they got the funds and everything to rebuild it as a local art institution. Mm-hmm. So they more or less gu- they gutted a lot of it, rebuilt oh, cool. three floors. But not only do they have exhibit exhibition space, like in the first floor is is major exhibition space, um, but the second and third floors also have studios mm. that are rented out to artists. Mm-hmm. So that helps pay the rent or the mortgage, as as may be. And what has been really wonderful is that the city of Barrie has stepped up to the plate Mm -hmm. and joined in, much in the same way Rutland is with its Mm -hmm. sculpture, has putting up sculptures in town, uh, sponsoring arts events, things like this. Barrie was never known for that before, but with Spa there, Mm -hmm. they've really Mm -hmm. made it a a strong arts community. Mm This is Stacey Harshman of The Sparkle Barn in Wallingford, Vermont. You are listening to Major Prelude and Minor Mishaps, the Vermont Arts Podcast from the Rutland Herald and the Barry Montpelier Times Argus. Now, the third story is a really interesting one, and I know about it because I wrote about it. Uh, <laughs> Weston Playhouse is presenting Paula Vogel's play called Indecent. Now, the the it's a play about a play. Mm-hmm. At the turn of the nineteenth twentieth century, a Yiddish play called God of, of Vengeance was written and started in Europe, uh, and then it came to New York in the early maybe nineteen I think about nineteen sixteen, mm-hmm. and played off-Broadway in Yiddish and then off-Broadway in English and was fairly successful and fairly popular. They wanted to have more commercial success, so they commissioned an English translation Mm -hmm. and with some changes, they put it on Broadway in 1923. It was immediately shut down by the police. The entire cast and producer were charged and convicted of obscenity. The reason why is because one woman kisses another in the play. Mm. Now, in the version pre-Broadway, it was more romantic. It was a very delicate thing where um, a young woman whose father owns a brothel falls in love with one of the prostitutes. Mm. And 
it's a very tender love. It's not uh, quite as tawdry as, as <laughs> modern movies would make it. And, uh, but when they made it, took it to Broadway, the producer didn't like that scene. So he made it look like the prostitute was seducing the innocent young girl, a virgin, mm. into prostitution. Mm. So it was closed down. By the way, uh, the obscenity charge was eventually thrown out. <laughs> but Paula Vogel wrote a play about the story of the play. It's not the play God of Vengeance, though there are scenes from it in it, but it tells the story starting from its beginnings in Europe and coming here and the controversy that it charged not only with the audiences, but with members of the cast. This play is considered a masterpiece, I mean indecent, and so I really can't wait to hear it. It's also done with klezmer style music, oh, cool. as was asked for in the script. Nice. So it should. I saw part of a rehearsal and it looks great. And for people who don't know, who is Paula Vogel, or how would they know? Paula Vogel is, oh, I wish I could remember the name of her other plays, mm. Learning to Drive. But she's quite famous. But the, this play is mixes controversy with romance. Well, we're looking forward to, to seeing the whole section. We'll, we'll let you go so you can finish it up. How's that? Sounds good to me. Okay, have a good one, Jim. You too. Hi, I'm Rob Mitchell of the Rutland Herald. Thank you for listening to Major Prelude and Minor Mishaps, brought to you by the Rutland Herald and the Barry Montpelier Times Argus. Welcome to the second part of our podcast, where I, George Nostrand, podcast engineer, take over the mic to introduce you to local artists for our Works in Progress section. In just a minute, we're going to be talking with the Rutland band Humdinger and the Bucksnort about the release of their new CD. First, a quick disclaimer. I've been following this band's progress online for a while now, and a while back invited them to come on this show. Recently, they were struggling to find a location for the CD release party, so I stepped in to help out. So I'm shamelessly sharing that I'm aiding and abetting this band. That said, let's get on with the show. Okay, I'm uh, here on a fading, sunny day at the Rutland Herald Podcast Studio, and I'm here with Humdinger and the Buck Snort, and they are going to be talking about their CD release, which is called Algorithms and Anecdotes. And I'm here with BJ Kane, Christopher Kane, Josh Jocelyn, and Freddie St. Ange. And uh, first of all, thanks for coming in, guys. And, Pleasure uh, to be here. So uh, tell me a little bit about your process in putting all this together. The whole theme of this experience has just been escalation. Mm -hmm. So it started as, you know, let's try to do what we can to get kind of a rough recording, but it just kept escalating and trying to get the best quality we could out of the most gorilla, rugged budget we could mm -hmm. afford. And you recorded this at your house, right, pretty much? We did the pre-production at my place in my uh, little home studio, um, tracked out 
basically the skeleton of the album. And then we used our rehearsal space at his house, BJ's house. Um, we kind of did some acoustic treatment there, and yeah, that was our tracking space for the um, the master tracking of the album. Great. And uh, with you know the internet and streaming radio and stuff like that, we were talking a little bit about the importance. It's there still is an importance in having a CD, right? What what does the CD mean in this day and age, or an album? It's the end game, the end goal. It's finalized, and you can physically touch it and be like, here it is. I think there's something to be said for a tangible piece of art. You know, it's it's packaged. There's art to look at. You know, I think you kind of lose that a little bit in the digital age. Definitely. Yeah, yeah I agree. I, I kind of think that you see something digitally on the screen and you check it out for a second. And you're like, yeah, that's cool. And then totally forget about the whole rest of the album. Mm. And this, you know, is a, a piece of art that you get to look at every day. And uh, some of our fans, my parents, <laughs> aren't really into the whole digital thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's kind of something for everyone. There used to be a day you consumed an entire album and mm. you would go out and you were excited to buy it and you would just listen to it over right. and over and over again, start to finish. And that's a real experience. And I think that gets lost. Although it seems like vinyl is making a comeback. Mm-hmm. And I think even younger people are starting to consume music in a different way. I think they're kind of seeing through the the BS of some of the mainstream music and are consuming music in other ways. And I think that's a real positive thing. It was interesting, actually, earlier today, I was reading about how there's there's been so much focus on the single and people have been dropping singles like flies, you know, the last couple of years. But that's kind of seems to be phasing out a little bit and bands are going back and actually recording full albums and putting out full albums. So um, I think that's a that's a step back in the right direction, if that's possible. Yeah. And you don't uh, really see albums like Pink Floyd anymore where it's a big like epic start right. to finish there's a, there's a theme going on. Mm-hmm. Like you said a lot of singles and it's trying to put as many singles as you possibly can on one album mm-hmm. versus trying to make one big uh, big piece of art, mm-hmm. I guess you could say. So uh, I always hate to put people in boxes, but you guys Call yourselves a heavy metal band, or no? What do you? What do you? How do you <laughs> hardcore. I would put of, us in know. prog, prog, hard rock, metal, mm-hmm. fusion. Mm-hmm. I can't name one thing. Mm-hmm. Cool. The interesting thing is, is uh, everybody picks something apart mm-hmm. from our music. So when we get comments, uh, oh, you guys sound like band X. Mm-hmm. You sound like band. Why? It depends on whatever influence they're hearing at that particular time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And what's the scene like around here for the type of music that you guys play? Is it a positive scene? Are other bands supportive? Is it competitive? It's, it's positive there... with other bands and, and I would say basement shows and you know other things. But There isn't a lot of mainstream no, yeah. avenues, mm-hmm. but it's kind of a community of support mm-hmm. and everybody... Mm-hmm helps each other and elevates each other. Yeah. I would say it's support, definitely through musicians and friends, but as far as venues, it's a little rough going. Mm-hmm. I would say there's maybe one or two that would welcome us in. Mm-hmm. Even though we might bring a bunch of people with us, it's just, you know, we're in that box, as you say. Mm-hmm. And people think of us as metal, so it's like too abrasive. Mm-hmm. I'm actually hoping once people consume 
this album, they'll hear that we're more than just a grunting, aggressive band, and hopefully that will open up more opportunities for us going forward. So we're going to play a section of one of your songs here, the song Armada, and uh, why don't you guys tell me just a little bit about this before we play the track, part of the track. I don't know. I, I kind of um, was reading some kind of story. It was a Spanish Armada invasion and some kind of, I think it was Apache warriors, but um, this guy saw people invading his land and he went and fought. They cut off his hands. It's kind of a gruesome story, but he kept fighting. Mm-hmm. And uh, the story goes that he, he, he fashioned knives into his hands and just kept fighting for his people and just just kept going. And that was kind of like the idea. Mm-hmm. And then when Freddie came in with the drum beat, I was like, Jesus, this sounds like a tribal drum beat. I was like, it just it worked. It fit. It kind of like... So I mean, the story of the song isn't all about that story, but kind of the idea of you keep going no matter what. You're, you're still fighting for what you believe in and, and kind of your feeling. And it just, it's kind of like a, just a roller coaster of emotion, but it's really just that one thing of never giving up and fighting on. Okay, great. Let's play a section of that and then uh, we'll come back. you for a second uh, go ahead <laughs> I, I figured out a good a good quote today is that your vocals go from like Chris Cornell to angry cookie monster oh thank you <laughs> <laughs> love that you can I'm gonna sell you that one but uh <laughs> I wish I could can like you Chris uh, Cornell well yeah, <laughs> I wish I, I mean uh, I mean I can but he's got some chops yeah but it, you kind of go all over the place with your vocals. Exactly. Do you have formal training or, or uh, never? That's all. No, I've never. I, I've been in another band, um, Soul Shove. I've been in two other bands, Soul Shove mm. and Soul Dead. Mm. I sang in those too, but I never practiced. I never. I just sang along to the radio mostly, mm. and kind of developed it as a crutch mm. for whenever I was feeling a certain way. I'd sing, mm. and it didn't matter what it was, but.
process a little unconventional, and I understand that your CD release party is a little unconventional too. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about um, where you're doing that and, and how that's going to work? Yeah. As much as our album was a very guerrilla type project, it feels like throwing this show together has been a very mm -hmm. uh, guerrilla type project. So we're using a very unconventional location. It's where the restaurant Sal's used to be, but now it's a nice big empty building, um, kind of ideal for underground shows like this. Uh, very punk rock mm -hmm. going yeah. in there. Very, uh, very, very old, much old, so. Very old school, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. A lot of character. Cool, and that's 148 West Street, right? 148 West Street, 148 up in Vermont. Street. I would say it's a little unconventional because we're not like just inviting everyone we know. Mm -hmm. We're inviting people we want and people who we think would want to listen to it and just spend an evening with us enjoying the music and just, you know it's it's kind of a laid back feel it's not like you know a big bar thing it's not a bands trying to outperform each other it's just kind of like and hopefully a lot of our friends who are in bands are going to come in and be like yeah man it was awesome and, mm -hmm. and just kind of hang out with us with a cool set it's kind of like band practice with all your friends there i guess the most supportive people yeah Let's let's run through those details again, uh, so you can tell me again uh, when and where and why and all those uh, important information, so that we can let people know about the show. Humdinger and the Bucksnort, Algorithms and Anecdotes Album Release Party, 148 West Street, Rutland, Vermont, September 27, 2019. Doors open at 7 p.m. No cover charge will be collected, and food and drink will be made available. Look yep. for the balloons. And uh, we're going to go out with one of your songs here, too. Uh, it's called .org. Do you want to tell us a little bit about this one? Whew, where do we start with this one? I think we have to start with the story of the dot songs. We have a few songs that are dot. Mm -hmm. So we got .com, we got .net, and .org. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's no real meaning behind the dot anything. We just thought it was a cool name. But it was like... The most intense, the most dramatic songs we could, like they had to be the best in order to be a dot song. Mm -hmm. Anytime we made a song that ended up being a dot song, the idea going in was let's push ourselves beyond our capabilities right mm -hmm. now. So anytime we say, hey, it's been a couple years, it's time to write another dot, so, you know, add to the, yeah, the dot. dot story. <laughs> um, dot God's coming. That's that, yeah. That's but that's the whole idea. It's like let's reach for something new and try to, uh, you know, play outside play outside of our comfort zone in a yeah. way. Yep. Cool. And it, it's it's got another. It's kind of got another sappy theme of, uh, you know, people who feel down or um, are feeling bullied or with everything that's going on nowadays. It's kind of like. We're with you. Like we we know what you're feeling, and and we we as a people on this whole planet should kind of recognize what other people are going through because there's a slight chance that you're going through the same thing too, mm -hmm. and there's that kind of message is that like I'll, I'll be standing right next to you, man. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'll go through the same thing with you, and uh, it it kind of carries through the whole song, but definitely definitely the chorus part of this it, it hits. Hits pretty hard and emotional. Sometimes I cry when I sing it. But mm. Can't you see? Yeah, it's because there's some people out there that no matter what they're doing, they always feel like they're the worst, or mm. no one cares, or no one knows what I'm going through. And 
chances are there's a lot of people that know what you're going through and maybe you should just speak up mm. and talk to somebody mm. so hopefully so hopefully somebody gets that message relate. yeah hopefully somebody can relate to it because there there's some key lyrics in there if you watch the lyric video you'll see it and you know we'll be there with you cool cool yeah. thank you i'm looking forward to uh, maybe drop it by your CD release party. Hey. Nice. <laughs> Guest of honor. Yeah, all right. Well, thanks a lot. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you.